Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your hosts, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. It is officially Combine Week. Now we can say it's Combine Week. Those of you that it was last week. week. Mitch was jumping the gun just a little bit because we started our conversations with everything going on with the NFL Combine. But tonight we were focused on the incoming rookie running backs. And Dan rolling in with his Georgia swag. What's up, Dan? Ah, it's nice to break out the national champion swag here as it is Combine Week for real. I mean, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit, JB. I think you and I were probably just chopping at the bit all week to just say, Mitch, it's really Combine Week and not, you know, mislead our listeners but it is you know we did quarterbacks last week and thursday will be quarterbacks at the at the nfl combine along with receivers and tight ends so we'll, we'll get a little um head start cheat cheating there uh with some receivers and tight end data but tonight is running backs and they will be performing at the combine on friday i can't wait we're finally getting to start to get a little bit more hype for this 22 class i know a lot of people are down on it we've talked about that countless times but hopefully to add some spice to it tonight is Mitch Sorensen. What's up, Mitch? I mean, the good news is Combine Week already happened for me. So I already know what happens. And so, well, we're okay. We're okay. But most importantly, this is a question for Dan, because I don't think John watches it. Did you love 1883? Ah, that last episode was a heartbreaker. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to, you know... Be a little vulnerable tonight. No, I'm just gonna say I'm gonna be a little vulnerable tonight. And that last episode got me a little choked up. Understandable. Okay, now we can start. Bring us back, John. Bring us back. 1883. Well, let's get to 2022, shall we? The rookie running back discussion tonight. This is what everybody loves. Every class, their value, the incoming rookies, it really is driven by the running backs, right? And Mitch, you talk about this countless times. And it could not be more of the truth than than when you preach it. It is the running backs dictate the value of the class. Even if you have those high end wide receivers, and I know the wide receivers were. Now I'm jumping the gun. Holy cow! I'm the one jumping the gun. Now we'll get to wide receivers and tight ends next week. But for this running back class, Mitch, from top to bottom, how do you view this class in terms of overall strength, the depth, how we compare it to previous classes? Let us know. What are your thoughts? I think it's an extremely good class, to be honest with you. Going back, you go to the Swift class, and that one was really good because you had Akers, Taylor. It's really hard to Gibson. You know, you, it's really hard Dobbins. to top that class. Yeah, Dobbins. It's really hard. But you go back to previous years, I think this is a better class than when Jacobs come out. I think it's a better class than when Barkley comes out because I think there's just more good running backs that could go in the second the third round. To where I know people like to hate it, but to me, I know I'm not going to jump again, but I'm just going to say like, to me, Travis Etienne went in the first round last year. I don't see a big difference from how NFL teams are going to see them to how Travis Etienne and Isaiah Spiller are. I think NFL teams are going to see them the exact same way. Granted, there's not an Urban Meyer right now, so that makes it a little bit (laughs) difficult, but I think it's a very good class. Mm. You talk about this class overall and and Dan, I can see, is this going to be a record four minutes in the challenge flag? Is it coming out already? I'm fighting it. fighting it. Well, let me, let me draw this out a little bit. Mitch, you talked about previous classes, that 2018 class, 
there was excitement there, right? Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Nick Chubb, Rashad Penny, Carryon Johnson, even Royce Freeman, Sony Michelle. Remember all the hype Royce years got? Into their, what was that? Remember all the hype Royce got? Royce was going to be like amazing. But people hate this class. It's weird. But yeah, you look at that class outside of Barkley and Chubb and then some of the lower end guys, you know, Edmonds, Hines, Lindsey, you know, Ronald Jones showing up a little bit. Then you go to 2019 and you mentioned it. I, I think this class could be on par with that. Yeah. Jacobs, Montgomery, Sanders, Damien Harris. And then you had some of these other guys sprinkled in Henderson, Tony Pollard, Singletary classes like that 2020 class it spoils us as dynasty yep. managers it really does we all know the names mitch rattle rattled them off already so if you're going to look at this class and say well it's not as good as 2020 okay not many classes are or 2017 but when you compare it to 2021 we had three and a half i'm, I'm counting michael carter as the half still tbd but you know, and, and Travis Etienne, he could ultimately end up being nothing as well. But Javante Williams, obviously, he's maintained his value. Najee Harris producing in year one. But why can't this class be on par with them? And I think it's a lot of unwarranted hate. Do you think? Well, let me let me get Dan's opinion because I have a follow-up question for Mitch after we ping-pong it back and forth here. First, I'm going to call an unofficial timeout here. Maybe it's a TV timeout. I don't know, because I don't know whether to throw a challenge or a flag. And not at Mitchell, but at JB. As I'm observative, and I look behind you, I see the Steelers fan has a Josh Allen Funko Pop. <laughs> what, what, what? Come on, explain this for me, please. So, over the weekend, and you can hear it in my voice a little bit still, I was the best man in my cousin's wedding. A phenomenal time. It, it was an absolute blast. and. He got each of us our own, uh, you know, all of his groomsmen, our own gifts. Like our one friend is really in a different band. So he got a poster made with all kind of covers from albums, something that I clearly would not care about. So he reached out to my wife. He said, does, you know, with COVID and, and, you know, isolation at this point in time, does John have any hobbies besides fantasy football? And she said, to be honest with you, Charlie, no. So... <laughs> He asked, who's a, a big fantasy player that I've talked about? And I like, and somehow my wife pulls this one out of her behind and, and comes up with Josh Allen, but he incorporated and got me. I don't know if you can see it, but a little Troy Aikman, little Troy, little Troy. Uh, and I, I, I've told you this before, Dan, I told, you know, I, I've talked about this on the air when I was younger, I was a Cowboys fan when they played the Steelers in that Super Bowl, I, my mom made me a cowboy cloth instead of a terrible towel. And it was a blue hand towel. So he was you thinking know, I, Troy I, cowboy. So I got Troy as well. Anyway, anyway, I, I've, I've been saying for years on dynasty theory, a combination of a closet Cowboys fan and a bandwagon, you know, your best friend, Charlie is like, what should I get him? You know, he's a Steelers fan. No, no, no. And you end up with Josh Allen and Troy Aikman. Yeah. Kudos to Detroit though. So, I will stop busting JB and get us back on the track here with the running backs. I bet. Thank you for answering that question. I'll bust you more next episode. Probably. Of course. Of course. But uh, this running back class to me is not much more. It's less exciting almost than last year. 
Like last year, you know, it was Javante Williams, you know, a little torn between him and Michael Carter, ETN. I was higher on Sermon, I know, than, you know, it has panned out. I love Brees Hall, and we'll get into guys. But after Brees Hall, it kind of dips to me, man. Like, I, no, come on. to me, you had options last year. You have Brees Hall, and you have a bunch of potential good NFL backs. I'm not seeing that, that upside thing? that you guys are seeing. Do I think there is going to be – and Elijah Mitchell this year, yes. Do I think there'll be a Ramondre Stevenson type? Yes. You know, will we find a Khalil Herbert? But that doesn't really excite me. I mean, so I, I'm a little glass every... half full compared to Mitch and yourself, it sounds like. Glass half empty. But yeah, I'm more glass half empty. Because to me, it's there's okay. Brees, Brees Hall, and then I'll cross my fingers and see where they land. Just try to figure out how much is in that cup. If you're half empty, Mitch and I are half full. The, like every class go back and again, 2017 and 2020 just absolutely spoiled us. But if you get two or three really solid fantasy contributors out of a class, that's a win. It is. And it's like, we talk about the running backs driving the value, but we go back to last week's episode. We talk about the uncertainty at the quarterback position within this 22 class coming out. That's also driving the value. It's the quarterbacks and the running backs. So I, we're going to dig into a lot of names tonight. But I, I have one follow-up question for Mitch before we really get into it. And then, Mitch, whatever you wanted to bring up, because mm-hmm. I saw the figure kind of go up. If this 23 class was just not you know, a, as hyped as it is today, would we be hating this 22 class nearly as much? I think the answer to that is no. No, right? no, definitely. I mean, that 23 class has everybody spoiled to where those guys are going to come in and take over for every backfield in the NFL. If you follow Twitter, like every backfield is going to be filled with these 23 running backs. But one thing I want to get back to, if we want to talk about the 2021 running back class again, you go back, people hated those running backs. Hated. They liked Najee. They didn't like Javante. No one liked Michael Carter. ETN, Najee. What, oh my God. ETN was the guy that people kind of like, but no one had a lot of faith in or some of his previous statements. And so in my view, people hated that. And now we have the running back two in dynasty and the running back four in dynasty and the running back four in dynasty was in a split backfield who could still be in a split backfield next year. And it's, Travis ETN missed an entire season on a dysfunctional franchise. Who knows how it's going to turn out? He's running back. 15? Yeah. It's crazy. So in my view, it all comes down to draft capital, of course. If only two of these guys go in the first three rounds, then this class, it could be terrible. Whatever. I don't I think just, it's going to be the case because I think there's going to be more that go in the first, probably not in the first round. There's going to be four to five to six guys that go in the second and third rounds. And that's all we need. That's what we need in Dynasty for value. I look forward to John's analytics tonight. And hearing some more of your takes, but at first glance, these guys just do not pop off the film like the guys did last year. Like I loved watching Michael Carter and Javante Williams and Kenneth Gainwell. Even Najee was a beast. I just liked watching a lot of those guys. And ETN was that explosive home run hitter. Um, so I, I'm just not seeing as much of that from these guys. We talked about ETN a lot coming into last season because he was that guy that popped off early in college. And I think people just kind of got bored with it, but there was, there was hype around Javante and Michael Carter, especially what they did in their 2020 uh, 
you know, uh, collegiate season, but there are those potential high end producers here. Brees Hall today is a top 12 dynasty back. I'm telling you, that's how he needs to be valued. He should be, he should, he be. should be valued. And that is exactly Agreed. where I have him, you know, uh, you know, some of these other names and uh, really quick going to the draft capital part. Like you said, we're not going to get a first round running back. We're not. But in that second, we're going to get Brees Hall. We're going to get Isaiah Spiller. <sighs> it's going to happen. We're getting, listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's not, but we're going to get second round draft capital from Kenneth Walker. It's going to happen, but that's where Maybe. it gets interesting. So from that regard, I'm kind of in the middle between Mitch and Dan, Mitch is saying five, six, seven, maybe in the first mm -hmm. three rounds, Dan coming in much lower. I, I might be a little closer to Dan here because we have three locks, but my guy, Kyron Williams, I have a concern that he could be gain weld and anybody that really paid attention last season to us here on dynasty theory, Mitch, you, you were, you were beating the Kenneth Gainwell drum. And I, I agreed. Like I, you were really convincing me. You sold me, mm -hmm. but then the NFL says, Hey guys, let, let's take a second reconsider because now he's going to drop with fifth round draft capital. I, I'm not saying Kyron's going to get fifth round, but I think a James cook potentially could. I think James cook is going to end up going before Kyron Williams in the draft. See, That's my thing. Be... I think someone is going to fall in love with just that skill set. And I think he just does it that much better than Kyron Williams does for what his role will be. I think Kyron Williams is a better running back, right? But Cook will bring something that a team will be like, hey, we need that in our third round back. And he'll go. Yeah, Cook's got the, hey, he's got the pedigree. You know, I love those NFL genes. Oh, God, as well. here we go. But, but, uh, but JB, as much as I'm a Go Dogs national champions, you know, James Cook, I love hearing that, Mitch. I do like Kyron Williams. I, I, I'm, I'm glad you said that, John, because I honestly, you guys know I've been catching up with the rookies. I did not know Kyron Williams was JB's guy, so I like to hear that. But he reminds me of an Austin Eckler potential. I, I see a little more closer to an Eckler than a, than a Kenneth Gainwell. And he just – something about, like, Notre Dame, they get some nasty blockers. Like, you know, you know, I'm high on Tommy, Tommy Tremble. When I watch Kyron, he's got some nastiness in him for a, star, a small guy. Man, that stiff arm is just – lethal and, and he just seems like a very capable running back so there you go maybe not all the big plays of an Eckler but I, I see some of that in him do you know yeah, who I, I think he is closer to Daryl Henderson I I think I think that could be a good comparison I also based on collegiate production market shares all that good stuff you know that I'm diving into and I don't think this is not a knock because again I like Kyron Williams but Chase Edmonds is a realistic range of outcomes. But again, if if we're going to get him at maybe 112, 201, 202, 203, and people are going to scoff at top 24 production possibly, th that's a win. Again, it's these other classes that really set up these unrealistic expectations. Uh, Greg in the chat here, Dalvin's brother, got to be good. God. And, and, Greg, Greg, Dan is, he's a family man. Michael Pittman, yeah. he was big on him coming in. <laughs> well, it's because his daddy played in the NFL. If the talent and the pedigree are together, the film and the pedigree, that's a boost. 
And and for James Cook, also being a Homer Dogs fan, like this cat is an athlete. He is fast. He could catch. You put some big hog mollies in front of him and get him in space. Look out. Uh, I like to see him continue to get a little bit stronger. And, and you know, pass pros, you're going to hear me, you know, talking about pass pro a lot. And, and I still want to continue to watch more film. He didn't have to do that a lot in Georgia in that rotation. So I think he's going to be a potential weapon for somebody. We'll see. There's some risk there, though. Now, I don't want to, again, this is, it's an exciting episode. So we're kind of pinballing back and forth here. But I, I don't want to skip over Kyron just yet because, again, JB breaking into the film analysis here. A few, I almost said a few episodes, a few games that, that I watched here. And the big one was against USC. And I, Dan, I don't know if you dove into that one, but if you did, let me know. All right. Good after the catch. And, and, and the, the measurables here in the metrics, they tie into that one. Decisive, very few wasted moves. Man, JB, that was a good note there. I don't know. You were feeling yourself that day. Uh, he can play between the tackles as well as bounce it outside. Plays bigger than his size, which, you know, is, is not shocking by any means. Drives through tacklers. He uses blockers very well down the field. And then with the stiff arm, I saw a nice spin move there. I saw a nice spin move. But again, this is going to come into play, just like it came into play for me last year with Michael Carter. If the NFL especially now that there's, there's a combine, a full college season where last year was kind of a, a wash in some regards because of COVID. But if the NFL says, guys, Kyron Williams, we're going to pass on him. Now he's going to be running back seven or eight off the board in the NFL draft. I got to reevaluate my, well, one life choices, but two, where I have him going in terms of the rest of the landscape. Yeah, I, I uh, see, Jacob uh, says, I think Kyron Williams floor is a James White type. But again, I mean, that that's a pretty lofty floor, I think. Like, if we could get James White production, you're ecstatic. Mm -hmm. You're ecstatic. I, I think in my notes I hear, like, I have PPR back at a minimum out of the gates, I believe. So, he, you know, I can see that James White vision there. I'm just hoping he's, you know, if he's a kid with great work ethic that's strong, you know, a build like an Austin Eckler, if he just puts in the work. I enjoyed watching him run more than Kenneth Walker. And I've heard him hear all this oh, Kenneth Walker hype. God. Um, I enjoyed watching his film more than Kenneth Walker's. Oh, he is a pass pro liability, Mitch. Pass you know what? It's almost time to go. Liability. I just he is limited in the passing game. He's a wake for his transfer. What, what, what what's okay. going on there? He doesn't if, switch if we're arms. gonna hate people for transferring, we're gonna hate all college players at this point. I'm just saying there's a lot of red flags there. If you're gonna uh, dig deep because he transferred and went to a school and all of a sudden had 300 touches and like 20 touchdowns, that's a red flag. Was he happy that he got benched at the last place because he couldn't block, which he can't? And, and then, he couldn't block he, so he, bad he, that they gave him 300 touches at Michigan State. I just I, think there's yeah, he runs, he runs well. I do like uh watching his film. I think he's a good runner, but I think he's got a bigger learning curve than people think in the NFL. <laughs> the JB I unofficial can't do it, flag. John. Don't start breaking it down. <laughs> no, not yet. Not yet. We're, I'm, I'm not getting into uh, Kenneth Walker quite yet. Um, but Dan brought up a point, and I would love to see if there's any correlation or anything telling prior to like COVID players that transferred, especially at the running back position, players that transferred were underwhelming their first stop in college and then popped off. 
how they fared in the NFL compared to their counterparts that didn't. But now you, yeah, it's now a it completely it's a completely different landscape. So I, I understand what you're saying, Dan, and, and I can understand how that would uh, pop into your mind. But like Mitch said, it, it's going to be tough to knock a player for transferring when we're going to be up. I mean, look at the transfer portal. Holy that, that's, cow. That's a tiny piece. But I just put it in there because if I'm a if I'm a scout, I'm asking questions. I'm calling Wake Forest. I'm calling. I'm calling around. But again, when you watch the film, and again, watch him again, Mitch. Again, he does run well. I, I he he he's a good runner. But you need to be more. There's a lot of good runners in this draft, as you identified it being a deep draft. I see a lot of good runners. But again, he he doesn't even switch hands. You know, he gets closest to the sidelines as a running back. You see a lot of these good backs switching hands. He he does not do it in a lot of the, in the film that I watched. And it, and if he can't block, Mitch, and he can't if catch, he gets drafted in the second much. round, it doesn't really matter if he could block or not. He's probably gonna get play time but, unless he's Trey Sermon, and then you just don't play at all. Hey, true. Trey was a third rounder. It's true. It's true. But are you okay. gonna draft him in the second round if all you could do is run? A team will. It doesn't matter if well, I then, will. I care about his dynasty value. If he goes in the second, I'm all about it. Oh, if he goes in the second, okay. Hey, someone sees something in him. He's they're going to give gonna him an opportunity. Guarantee you he will go if – okay, I, I won't get hot takey. He'll go in the second. Let me let me just throw a few things out, and this is more overarching. So let's call it on Kenneth Walker for a second because I didn't even you give You have my something opinion. written down that you just have to get to, huh? No, no, no. I, oh, I have okay. my my the rookie data here. So reception market share. The guys that check this box for me, all right, let me just run through my list. Rashad White, Tyler Beatty, Kyron Williams, and this is sorted by maximum reception market share in a given season. White, Beatty, Kyron, Tyler Goodson, Borgie, Spiller, Kevin Harris, Brees Hall, uh, Jerry and Ely, Tyler Algier, James Cook, Keontae Ingram, even Brian Robinson, that old. <laughs> I was going to say something there, but let's keep it PG. Uh, Brian Robinson, Sincere McCormick. I think we're going to hear that name right. later. Ty Chandler, Zaquandre White, Raymond Davis, Jerome Ford. Those are kind of the guys that check that box for me. A name that I didn't mention. I'll scroll down a little bit, but Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. And I listen, listen, listen. I know there are running backs out there that have not hit certain thresholds in college. This is not to say just because you did not hit and check this box, you were going to fail in the NFL. By no means am I saying that. But, and you can point to the fact that Wake Forest, they didn't utilize their running backs in the passing game. You can point to the fact that Michigan State they did the same. They 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 did not want to get their running backs involved, but it, it's still a concern. It is a concern. If he gets drafted in the second round, I'm not concerned. And he may. He he may. To Mitch's point, he may, and he gets that draft capital. It's possible. I just think everyone. A lot of people are looking at him there, and I see some red flags. I don't think it's a. It's so obvious. Between, I think the NFL is actually a lot higher on him than the fantasy community is. Well, listen, that's, that's my question. So, Mitch, you're saying if he goes in the second round, I don't care what his receiving uh, market share was in college, his college dominator. But 
add some context to this. Okay. You don't care, but where do where does you where do you slide him in in a 12 team super flex rookie draft? I'm taking him as running back. Okay. Well, I have to ask this before I answer. Is Isaiah Spiller also going in the second round? In this situation, yes. Spiller's going to go in the second round. Then I'll be taking him the running back three. So probably like 108, 109-ish. Because if Spiller goes in the second round, he has that PPR upside. You know, the the floor is just a lot safer. And I think people will be more willing to acquire, right? Brees Hall, he's more than likely going to be my 101 in every draft, except for like 14-team super flex leagues. Other than that, Brees Hall is just going to be my guy. So Walker might fall a little bit if Spiller gets more capital than him. But other than that, he's going to go between 105 and 109 for me. Okay, here's my here's my issue. And, you know, before... Dan, you that, don't have any draft picks. Why are you shaking your head? I have them in hold some on, leagues. Hold on. Before the NFL draft approaches, as we've done the last few seasons, the three of us will take part in a pre-NFL mock draft. And it will be interesting to see how these pieces fall. But the way I'm going to look at this and I think what's going to happen for me is let's say we get the draft capital out of Isaiah Spiller that we expect. Brees Hall. Hall is my one. Mm-hmm. Brees Hall is my one. Isaiah Spiller is my two. Unless something crazy happens and he goes in the fourth round, fifth round of the other. That's not going to happen. Those are my top two. I've said that Kyron Williams is my running back three. Today, today, today. I can't believe I agree with you, Jay. I know. This is weird. I don't like this show. Something's going on. Hell is frozen (laughs) over. But so he's my three. But again, we're going to get that last piece to the puzzle that I'm looking for. And that's top three rounds. A lot of things that with my untrained eye, I I watched and I liked. And hopefully Dan can kind of uh, confirm and say, JB, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. The coach in me sees the same thing that the... The might as well be blind squirrel over here, JB saw. But let's say Kyron does drop. I think Walker would by default be my running back three. But just like Trey Sermon was my running back four last year, I still had him significantly lower because of the other positions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So if Walker is my running back three, if we get four quarterbacks with first round draft capital, there's going to be enough wide receivers that I'm going to like over Walker that maybe I have him 112 or 201, but that's that's not going to land him, especially if he gets that second round draft capital. I could see guys sliding too in this draft, you know, with O line and edge rusher and in certain positions, you know, receivers got options. We look at the way the NFL values running backs. Obviously, part of that is that's why no one's going in the first round. That's why Brees Hall doesn't go in the first round as much as we all love him. Um, I could see some of these guys sliding. Spiller, and I like Spiller. He's I'm with you, JP, again. He's, he's number two. But after Spiller, I mean, does an NFL team say, hey, if I don't get this guy at this point, you know what, I'm just going to settle for – the Tiger Aguilar's or the Brian Robinson's or take the flyer on James Cook. Maybe he slides a little bit because of certain reasons, and I'm, I'm very happy getting him. How does that affect us? You know, I think there is some value later in, in these rounds. Because I remember a year ago, JB, Michael Carter was a big topic where he went with you. I could see some talented potential guys dipping a little bit. There, there's a comment in the chat, and Mitch is like, why did I even join you guys tonight? I'm just, I can't. I, 
I knew the Walker hate was going to happen from John. I did not expect it from Dan, and I'm I'm just sad. I apologize, really. like, Mitch. My I, heart I, just hurts today. Yeah, I feel bad. I, I feel bad agreeing with John. This is tough tonight. But even Nick Chubb, and, and I bring up Nick Chubb because uh, some of the guys in the chat are talking about this, and I love these side conversations and sidebars going on. I think it's fantastic because then it pumps in more content for us to talk about. But Nick Chubb, even he had an over 8% reception market share. A lot of people want to point to players like Nick Chubb, uh, Jonathan Taylor. Well, people said they couldn't catch, but when you put the context in there of what they did in relation to the rest of their team, the total volume of passing attempts, Nick Chubb still checked that box. And as a, as a diehard Georgia fan, I like Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle more than, than I do James Cook and Zamir White now. I, I think that was a they were better running backs. Sony hasn't quite materialized as, as much, but he's a solid NFL player. Um, I'm a little higher on those guys. All right. So I think we've spent a little bit of time, just a little bit, on Kenneth Walker. Uh Dan, does anyone I, else really matter in this class? I, I well because I mean, we got Walker. That's like the only person we need to talk about this whole episode. I'm good now. I'm good for 30 minutes. This is going to get fun later on to come draft time, JB. This is going to get fun. It's... Yeah. Uh, can I just throw a few under the radar? This episode just going haywire. But a few under the radar in terms of their projected draft capital. Mm-hmm. Some running backs at you guys. So the guys that catch my eye, and I say catch my eye, based off of the analytical boxes they check. Okay. I sincerely hope you don't name my player. <laughs> Man, and you talk about my corny jokes. That was right, good. So I don't care. It was good. Tyler Beatty, Kevin Harris, Tyler Goodson, throwing two Tylers in there. And Rashad White is intriguing, even though he's an old fart as well. All right. So those are the four guys that once we get past, I'm not advocating taking them 201, 202, even though I've heard people talk about taking those guys early in the second in super flex drafts. And I'm not there, but those are the four intriguing guys for me that you should be able to get a little bit later in your draft, especially if we get those five, six, seven guys with top three round draft capital. Again, I don't think it happens, but if what Mitch is saying comes to fruition, those guys are going to slip. And, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I, and I have a few landmines, I think that people see as values, but I'll get to them eventually. Any anybody, you know, Mitch, take it away, take it away. You're, right. I don't want to take your guy here. I have to. It's sincere McCormick. Like the problem with these really small school guys is like the level of competition is so low, but also his teammates are so bad that you're like, well, he looks really good, but he's not playing against anybody good. And his teammates aren't good. So how is the NFL going to look at this? I think he's going to be, could end up being a UDFA if that happens. I, there's a good chance he doesn't get drafted and he goes to a team. But this is a guy I'm looking probably to pick up in the fourth round of my rookie drafts. And the biggest reason for that, as a freshman, he was good. As a sophomore, he was good. As a junior, he's good. He averaged like 22 catches a season. And when you watch him on tape, if you took the helmets off and just had to play. You didn't know who the teams were. You'd be like, Hey, that running back looks like an NFL player and seeing that and 
just because I know I'm going to be able to get him so late in drafts that I've always went with the approach of picking out players that I like, hoping to be overweight on them on my dynasty teams. Then if those players hit, then 80% of my dynasty teams just got better. If I miss on 80% of my third round picks in a rookie draft, it doesn't matter because I'm going to miss on that many anyways. But if I could hit on 80%, then I'm set. So that's why I like picking out players like him. Did you guys think Tyler Algier? I'm right next to BYU and I have the hardest time with his last name. I think we've pronounced it three different ways. Right. I actually think Dan threw an Aguilar in there earlier, but I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> could have been. Aguilar. I have Aguilar. <laughs> Can I say one thing before we move on oh, to uh, yeah. uh, Tyler Algier? Algier? It's like Algier. Yeah. Algier. One thing with Sincere McCormick, something I've, I've been looking at, and it's it's the rushing guard market share over the rushing attempt market share. So in relation to the rest of your team, kind of an efficiency metric, it can be skewed at times depending on how mobile the quarterbacks are because typically you see some of these quarterbacks like eight, nine rushing yards per attempt, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, on the higher end. But Sincere McCormick, every year throughout his collegiate career, he was above average compared to what we saw the competition within his team. Uh, some players that didn't have that every year. Isaiah Spiller was one. Brees Hall was actually one. Brian Robinson, Abram Smith, Keontae Ingram. So the, again, it, it's just one box, one thing I'm looking at, but it's impressive that with the offensive line and the offensive prowess of the rest of that team, mm-hmm. he was able to be certainly above average, comparatively speaking, to the rest of his team. All right, on to Tyler Algier. Yeah, I, th- I think you hit on, like, one of the three Tylers there, JB. I'm, I'm with you on Algier, and we, we could start there. 5'11", 220, good size, physical back. Where I, where I struggled a little bit is last year I was high on Ramondre Stevenson, and I feel like they they have some similarities, but I like Stevenson's film a bit more. So is he going to fall a little bit under that if I'm measuring? Um, Tyler Goodson, I'm not quite there yet. He's on the outside looking in of kind of where I'm at with film studies and and picking players. Tyler Beatty's an, an interesting one. I kind of came on late to him, man. He accelerates quick, you know, and he could catch. But I'm kind of thinking he's like, he's like a Boston Scott. Um Again, I, I struggle with this draft here. I think like we're talking fourth round, third round guys. I mean, like Mitch said, yeah. though. I mean, hey, if, if you hit with one of them, you, you, they're worth taking a flyer on. So I'm trying to decipher which 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 one of these backs I want to take the most flyers on. And and Algier, he he's projected to possibly go right around a four four forty, and if he does that with his size, the burst score we're talking about. Brees Hall, Algier, Jerome Ford, Master Teague. Those are the four guys at the top of the charts there looking at this class and burst score. So it's in relation to their size and speed. But that's going to get people talking. And even if he goes in the fourth of NFL drafts, I think he could creep into that second round of Superflex rookie drafts. And there's a comment from Jacob in the chat. NFL analysts seem to think Damian Pierce will get good draft capital. And 
that seems to be a name that has popped up quite often coming from Florida. Again, he checks a lot of the boxes. Um, but the, 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 the rush attempt market share never eclipsed 30% in a given season. Yeah, that's a quick, like the big million dollar question with Pierce. And he wears my number 27. Anytime I see a guy with the number 27, I'm watching them and kind of rooting for him. Although he's a gator, so I, I can't, I got to, you know, balance that a little bit. But he has good balance and quickness, man. He, he gains momentum like a bowling ball there. And he is a, a tough runner. Um, he has, you know, does he have the speed and quickness for the NFL? I'll be curious how he, he does at the combine. Uh, you know, is he Ramondre Stevenson as well? Kind of in that mold, just maybe not as much speed. And to your point, JB, why didn't he get the volume? John, let me ask you, you have someone on this list that I'm shocked that you even have on it. Tavian Thomas. Is it just because, you know, I'm a Utes fan or. Yes, oh, okay. <laughs> I want to know in our discord. Mm-hmm. This is the longest I've gone in episode 37 minutes without plugging the discord. So discord boom plugged. You had talked about constantly during during the collegiate season, mm-hmm. Tavian Thomas. Up, oh, Tavian gets in the end zone again. Gets in the end zone again. Realistically speaking, where is he going in the NFL draft, and where is he going in terms of superflex rookie drafts for you today? And okay. a lot can change, of course, but today. Okay, so this goes back to, I think NFL teams look at stuff differently than we do. NFL teams love Utah Utes running backs. They just do. If you go back to Booker, it's they just end up liking them a lot more. Thomas had issues with fumbling. So I think that's actually kind of why I kind of backed off a little bit during the season. I was all about him. Then he got benched for fumbling. Then he up coming back on. I don't think he's going to be a very good NFL player. But he's 6'3", I think 230. So as much as I loved him during the season, and I think there's a chance that a team takes him in the seventh round, I also think... He just doesn't, he's not going to end up having what it takes. So he's going to be the like dokes that Miami had, right? That everyone's talking up before the season. Look at this size. The red zone opportunities are going to be great. And then he's just going to be cutting prop. You know, for his sake, I hope he makes a team, makes the NFL. But as far as what I'm considering for my dynasty teams, I probably won't touch him anywhere. So out of all the running backs that I have here, and I have 170. Du, 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 du. 179 going back to 2017 just in, in my list in terms of receiving college dominator he is dead last he's dead yeah. last yeah two catches <laughs> it, and i know we talk about you know uh kenneth walker in his lack of production and usage was it him was it the two teams that he played for but for a player like Tavian Thomas, it's tough to think if you have t- two catches in your career that it's not you. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I, like it, dead last out of 179 guys here. Uh, age. Move on, age. JB. He's not being drafted. No, no, no but I wanted, to, I, I wanted to give you threw me a bone. I appreciate it. I appreciate that was it. good. That was good. But You guys know for me that... that that magic number that that age of 23 looking at these running backs coming in there aren't many in this class that hit that threshold the threshold that we don't want to see um who are we dinging 
Who's in that class? Will be. Rashad White. That's my only concern with him. Yeah. Well, also, and then if we talk about players like, uh, who did we just say it for? Sincere McCormick, or no, Damian Pierce. I'm sorry, we're all over the map. Damian Pierce, and he did not eclipse thirty percent rushing market share in any given season. Rashad White wasn't necessarily a bruiser and getting the ball a ton here. So Correct. That's it, in my but, notes there. Does not always run physical enough for my taste. Is that exactly how it says it? Exactly. Enough for my taste. <laughs> right. uh, but yeah, he's, where is he here? Da, 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 da. He was a little higher. He had almost 38%, but he's right there in that Keontae Ingram, Zamir White, Zonovan Knight. That's another name uh, that I know a lot of people as a late round flyer from NC State, they're intrigued by. But that age 23, unless you're going in the first round like Najee Harris, that is a little bit of a turnoff there. All right. So what'd you say about Zamir White? He wasn't in that class, was he? Did I hear you say my boy Zeus's name? Oh, I said in terms of the rush attempt market share, he was in okay. that range. Got you. That Got that 35 to 40 percent in a given season. So so Zamir White, I'm interested about just to, being that I brought Same. it up there and, not, you know, you get a reason to talk Georgia Bulldogs being that I can't talk Dallas Cowboys right now, you know, but I'm, I'm going to have zeros in your white. I can tell you that right now. 5'11", more size than Cook. He was often injured. I think that's part of it. You know, th there were some injuries, but he he's a strong move the chains back with some burst. And he's another one that might surprise us at the combine with a, with a 40 time that might catch us. I'm not sure if he'll translate to the NFL, so I'm not necessarily, I'm not like advocating for him but kind of i'm rooting for him and I, I i think there's you know fourth round flyer if you're in one of those leagues with some you know a deeper rookie draft and you're going with if you have a fifth round pick or something there is some potential there so like he had the two acl surgeries right which is that's gonna be a huge red flag for nfl teams and like when you watch him to me he reminded me just of carry on johnson he just runs upright like there's no bend to him at all and He's someone that I loved coming into this year. I actually had him decently high in my rookie rankings coming into this year. But I'm like you, Dan. I just want to see what happens with him. Like, yeah. I just want to see. I don't have a whole bunch of force. Like I said, I'm just going to pick a few players and I'm going to attack him in all my drafts. He probably won't be one of them. But maybe he surprises us like you say. Maybe he runs a low 4-5, which back in high school, you know, that's what we would have expected. Yeah. And he's at like the bottom of my rookie list. Mm -hmm. I just... Again, we'll be keeping an eye on them. And it goes, it's every year, whether it's a startup, whether it's a rookie draft, whether it's running back, whatever position, in early rounds and, you know, in first round and super flex rookie drafts, you want to avoid the landmines. The, the, those are the players, I mean, the, the carry on Johnsons, the Keyshawn Vaughns. Oh, man, that's a damn shame. There's hope there, man. There, there is hope. There. there is hope. Let's not get into him right now, though. Uh, but then also avoiding those landmines early, but then in the same breath, hitting those spike plays late, those Elijah Mitchell type players. Um, so I, I think those are the two two ranges that can spike your, your dynasty rosters, like you said, Mitch, make 80% of your teams better, or really uh, you, you see a big hit. You know, th those late seconds, early thirds, and you just get those average players. It probably isn't doing too much one way or the other, but it's those avoiding the landmines early and then hitting those spike plays late. So what I want to do right now, 
I'm going to put both of you on the spot, but so you can kind of collect your thoughts, I'll run through mine. I want to just run through today how our top five running back list would look. And this is with no additional context in terms of the rest of the positions, just running backs themselves. So with assumed draft capital, I'll start it off and then I'll kick it over to Mitch and then Dan. Brees Hall is my one. There's no question about that. Today, as we sit here on March 1st, 2022, he is my one. He's going to be my one after the NFL draft. Isaiah Spiller is my two. Kyron Williams is my three. If he lands in the first three rounds, I don't care where he goes, land in the first three rounds. Kenneth Walker is my four. And then five. Oh, man. James Cook. That yeah. That is my five today. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be extremely close to you. I'm going to go Hall, Walker, Spiller. Like I said, they'll flip probably based on however this draft goes and this upcoming week. And then Kyron and probably going to have to go cook right now. I don't like it, but that's kind of how I see the NFL draft going, to be honest. Dan? Man, this is like just two. We're, we're almost all on the same playing field here. Um, Bree, yeah, Brees Hall, same thing. Number one, you know, must get back. But then after that, like Isaiah Spiller is my number two, but I have him probably maybe a little bit lower. Like I'm looking at the back of a first round. Again, it's early yet in this process. Kyron Williams, surprisingly, JB, I'm with you at three. Mitch, I do have Kenneth Walker at four. And I'm kind of like just swaying on that number five. You know, I think when it comes push comes to shove, I'm going to say go dogs and I'm going to go James Cook as well with the pedigree, but it it's close. Now here's my thing. I said no additional context, but you know, I couldn't leave it with that. So here is additional context <laughs> for me. And I, if you guys don't have this in front of you, I'm just throwing this out there. Looking at the rest of the positions, Brees Hall is in my, my tier one. So I'm, I'm taking him between 101 and 103. So mm -hmm. tier one, I have Spiller alone in tier two at the running back position. We get down to 109 to 111. If I were in a startup today that had rookies included, not, not placeholders, but actual rookies included, or I was in a pre NFL draft rookie draft, because of the way I look at risk, I would not take Kyron at this spot. But assuming the top three rounds, 109 to 111 for Kyron. And then Kenneth Walker's in that 112 to 206. I don't have another running back in my 112, 112 to 206. Um, but this is tight end premium too. So uh, Jalen Wittermeyer, Trey McBride creeping in there. But then I don't have another running back until that 210 tier. So uh, the, and I kind of wanted to add that because Greg in the chat, how many of these running backs this year aren't landmines? I think Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller are going to be very good NFL backs. Yep, agreed. And do you want to pivot and go wide receiver? Do you want to go Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, whoever else you might have up there? If you're not sold on the quarterbacks, maybe Spiller or Hall or the the way you would go. But for me, those are the only two that I would say with confidence, locked and loaded, are not those proverbial landmines. I, I know Mitch is saying Kenneth Walker, but I th there is a lot of concern there. He's going to go and, in the second. 
I, I doesn't I, mean I, he won't I, be a bust even if he goes in the second. It's very true, but his dynasty value will be okay if that happens. From a I'm value comfortable. Pers- uh, let me see this. I'm more comfortable in a tight end premium to PPR. I'd be more comfortable with Walker if he even gets drafted in the third round than I am any of the tight ends coming out in this class. That's fair. I, I have them lined up in the same tier, so I would yeah. not argue with you if you went Walker over the top tight end. I, I wouldn't argue with you. Dan, do you oh. have, outside of Hall and Spiller, like, would you confidently say today, Dynasty Theory listeners, there's no, there's minimal concern with Kyron Williams from a Dynasty perspective. There's minimal concern with Kenneth Walker, with James Cook, uh, Kevin Harris, Tyler Beatty, Brian Robinson, Rashad White, Tyler Algier, or Aguilar, however you want to say it, Abram Smith, whatever other running back you want to throw out there, Damian Pierce. On, on March 1st, 2022, I see a lot of risk in all of them. You know, again, we're going to keep digging and try to find some separators along the way. But as of right now, there's risk in all of them. Yeah, the the guys that I think, and I mentioned their names earlier, but that I'm not, not even confident, but if I'm in the third round and I can pull a Kevin Harris, Kevin Harris is kind of that guy for me that could be that late round spike value that I mentioned. So complete opposite spectrum of the landmine that I talked about. And I don't want to be like over conservative and just like be like a cheesy answer. Like there's risk in all and there's risk in anybody. But when you look at these prospects and whether it's a size concern or a pass pro liability, or like there, there are like actual legitimate, you know, when you look at their comps, I'm not going to overpay or reach for any of them. I'm not confident enough. So Buyer beware. I think it's good to mention all these names, though, too. Maybe something we haven't touched on. Like, you look at Elijah Mitchell, who is, you know, hey, do you spend your fab week one? Every year, somebody slips in these drafts. And camps start rolling around, and we get different reviews from coaches, or week one, something happens. So I think as we talk about these names, and you build your running back depth charts, don't lose them. Don't lose them. So you know how I brought up, you know, Sincere McCormick this this episode if you go back to last year's running back episode there is a running back that i brought up it was elijah mitchell oh oh. it was it was mainly because his name was mitchell so it made sense and you know (laughs) really quick i love that but that was the one player that i brought up just just throwing it out there yeah and he was one of those guys i think last year like was in like my like fourth round mix you know and just you know didn't draft him went a different direction took Tommy Tremble or whoever I took, but, but one of those guys, one of these guys is going to surprise us. We know that. And I think the only name we didn't mention at all, I think tonight that's on my list is Jerome Ford of Cincinnati, 5'11", 209, hard, fast runner with shifty feet. He's a I hammer have him. led them to a very good season. I, you know, I'm just intrigued to buy him a little bit. I Nobody does fit mention though. him. No, I mean, I, I threw his name out there. Boom. Jerome Ford. I said it earlier too, but in the the fancy sound effects with the the noise I made when Dan mentioned him, but he does fit it. Let let's say he goes sixth round, whatever. That that forty time projected forty time and that burst score with his size, it kind of reminds you of Elijah Mitchell. Uh, one of the those burst scores that are just absolutely through the roof. But Dan, 
this 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 cat Jerome Ford, Alabama. I didn't classify, him as, I didn't classify him as a cat though, man. Sorry. Oh, you said you said this cat transfers <laughs> to Cincinnati. Bearcat makes sense. Bearcat, but he transferred. Jay. He transferred. He transferred. He did. Just had to get that jab in there. That's fair. Uh, the I, I talked about the rushing yard market share over the rushing attempt market share. He was a little underwhelming in that category, comparatively speaking. But some of that might have been at Alabama, and then with the the competition there, just a little too much for him. Just too, a little too much for the cat. Uh, the reception market share, a little bit lower. But that those are kind of my my thoughts overall. I, I'm with Mick. I think there's depth in this class. I think we have two really good players in Spiller and Hall. Like th- those are two guys. Man, Mitch is always getting the shout out in the chat. I am. Hi, Dad, from the kids. But I, I need to wake Johnny up. He's only two and a half. Can't work a keyboard. But where? Where's my hi, Dad? Come on. Right. Um. Any Any other thoughts here, Mitch? Dan, before we we roll on here, I think Brees Hall is the only bell cow potential back. I like Spiller. I see him as the the, the prototypical one-two NFL punch guy. You know, whether he's the one or the two, he'll be a good contributor. I like him. But I think Brees has the most upside and potential to potentially be a bell cow. I don't know if he'll land in that opportunity, but I think there is a separator between those two. Rush attempt market share, they both check the box. Draft age, they both check the box. Rush yards per team, rush attempt, check the box. Uh, You know, receiving market share, uh, College dominators, boom, boom, boom. The burst scores, uh, but both good. I was looking at the wrong number there, but both both are good. Both are good. I think Hall was meant for this moment, though. Super highly touted since high school. I just, I again, he's another guy where I liked his film better than Spiller. I think we all did, and we all had said he's higher tonight. It's not like breaking news there, but again, I just see a higher ceiling than I do for Spiller. Here, I got to ask you, Dan, because again. My my fancy schmancy notes here watching some of these guys. Isaiah Spiller against Alabama and South Carolina. Did you do you have any concerns with Spiller in pass protection? And and one thing that I, I thought I saw, who knows, you know, if it's a, a valid point here, but I thought he struggled with blocking with rushers coming off the edge more than up the middle. I thought he was able to pick that up pretty well, but I thought he was a little bit slow and he got beat on the edge. Yep. What happens when your quarterback gets licked on the blind side because he, he blows a block? And, and that's the thing, you know, as you're identifying that and seeing that, you know, that's the more games you watch, it's like, okay, why did this happen? You know, is it correctable? Is it something I could, I could coach up in the National Football League and fix? Or is this more of a, you know, an issue? How much does he want to block too? I mean, I mean, that's, there's something to that. Some running backs just do not like doing it. But I'm not flagging it so much right now. I just thought I also thought Brees Hall could do things other backs cannot do, you know, and I didn't feel that from Spiller again, liked his film, enjoyed it. I, I had draft him. I love him on my football team, but I thought Brees Hall could do things other backs cannot. I, I, I Brees Hall, good vision. I, I think he was able to find the holes. Uh, I, I thought he was athletic at the goal line too. Yeah. He, he had Greg, a nose Greg, for the end zone. Greg says can't miss the edge guys. And then Kyron Williams, surprisingly, despite how tiny he is, he can pound it inside that five yard line. Kyron, Kyron, say it with me, Mitch. Kyron, Kyron. 
Come on, bitch. We need to get to a landing spot because I wanted to bring up Kyron on a landing spot. I think it's a good one. One thing, Dan, there was one other back that you had. You said you wanted to drop their name. And I I, did. Did you mention? That was Jerome Ford. I think I, I think I covered everyone tonight. Rashad White, we didn't talk about too. We talked a little bit. Ryan Robinson, Aguilar, Kyron Walker. I'm going down my list. All the guys that I really were. Pierre, I Pierre Strong. Oh, no, that's right. We didn't mention Pierre Strong out of San Diego State. So he's my 5'11", 205 sleeper back. 7.2 yards per, per carry in his career. And even put a blocking highlight in his highlight film. Like, I love when, like, to me, that says, I want to block. I am showing you I could block, and I'm putting so, it in my so, highlight South Dakota, film. South Dakota State. South, South Dakota, Dakota State. my bad, my bad. I had San Diego on my, my line there. But South Dakota State, he honestly reminds me of a Kenneth Walker as a one-armed running back with good ability, but I think he might have some more next-level speed. So I, I have him as a sleeper. And not to dog your boy Kenneth Walker again, Mitch, but, again, when I watched well, their I film. I gave up then, on both of you at this point. So. And I compare, <laughs> oh, I yeah. just. Yeah, I, I thought he was a nice sleepers. You know, if Kenneth Walker pops off early in the season, Mitch is going to have his following in the discord, just throwing <laughs> proverbial tomatoes at us. Ronald and Jeez. me, man. I know. We're I just going to post nothing but like Prax filled a highlight. <laughs> unless, now. unless Kenneth Walker watches like future Mitch uh, tweets, uh, he, he's never coming on the show after listening to JB and I tonight. That's true. I might That's not come on off after the show after listening <laughs> to you two tonight too. So, all right, Mitch, to wrap it up, okay. Throw, throw a landing spot. And are you, Here's are you one that I think people are going to like, and I'm actually going to hate Buffalo Bills. If the Buffalo Bills take it back in the third round or later, I'm going to hate that spot. Because I think they like Singletary enough to give him enough work. And I don't think they're going to end up going for a Brees Hall type that they're just going to give all the work to. So let's say Kyron Williams goes to the Bills in the third round. I'm not going to end up having him on any of my teams because someone else is going to end up liking that landing spot a lot more than I will. And I'm completely out. Like completely out at that point. I'm not completely out because of how explosive that offense is. But I'd be a little disheartened. Because I mean, that's a pass first team and... We know the the RB stories there through the last few years. Dan, do you have a landing spot you want to mention here, whether it's ideal or, oh, no. Just take the easy way out and say Atlanta. Miami. Someone go to Atlanta, please, for the love of you. Weren't we saying Atlanta last year? We've said it three years in a row. Houston. It's got to happen. No, it, that's like the the best there. Please don't anybody go to the Houston Texans. Um, <laughs> hey, David, David Johnson, he provided some fantasy relevance from time to time. Uh, he did? Brutal. I'm just saying, don't write Houston off. Not yet. Not yet. Final thoughts. I got to go back and fix that graphic. I freaking hate it. Mitch, <laughs> I'm starting with you tonight. Graphic. What would you say? I love that graphic. I hate it. I, I'm going to spruce it up a little bit. That's yep. my project this week. But final thoughts for our listeners. 149 episodes in next week. 150th episode. And wide receivers. It'll be and good. wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah. I um, I just want to remind everybody, this is my commissioner. I don't do the commissioner things often, but I should do them more. So your league dues are actually due right now. So there's quite a few people in my leagues and it's the same people every single year. You have to go after them. Just pay your dues. 
I paid early this year. You did. You did well. Yeah. But it's the same people every time. And then at the last week, they're like, oh, I forgot we had to pay. And I'm like, we do this every single year. So my one thing, go pay your dues. And you only say that because for selfish reasons. Because it's you all about me. <laughs> and you don't want to hound people and chase them down. Dan, what do you got for everybody tonight? I always appreciate Mitch's fantasy football etiquette. So appreciate that, Mitch. For me tonight, you know, I'm just, and you'll probably plug it at the end, I'm sure, JB. But man, get into our Discord and the chats. It is NFL narrative season. Yes, we are dissecting all those rookies. And I see a ton of rookie talk in there as, as we lead up to the combine and the draft. But, you know, hey, New York Giants are open for business. Barkley's available, but not my boy Kadarius Tony. You know, no offers for Green Bay and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. No offers are coming in. Are they trying to trade him? Why are they bringing that up? I, I'm curious. My boy Dak, non-throwing shoulder, little procedure, but don't worry. You, you know, Dak's still here. He is telling me he's okay and everything's going to be all right. But hop into the Discord, Discord, join these narratives, and let's see where we're drafting these guys. Check out the Discord's free. The link for the Patreon is in the episode description. It's five bucks a month. We're doing, a, you know, rolling out a lot of good content every Friday, except for last Friday, because I was on the road going to be the best man at a wedding, as I discussed early in the episode. But the pivot point, pivot point. Mitch, are you joining me this week? Can't. I'll explain later. I'll be on the following week, and I should be on every week after this week. All right. Uh, talking about market and efficiencies and really where to take advantage throughout your leagues. But again, that link is in the episode description for the Patreon. It's also available. Uh, you know, I, it, it's my pinned tweet. So check it out. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show at Dynasty Theory FF on Twitter and Instagram. For Mitch Sorensen, Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. Have a fantastic night. Mm-hmm.